Hello and welcome back to Smash Hit Sports. I'm your host, Cody and Nick. We had a hell of a week in college basketball this week. UConn and Purdue both lost. They were the top dogs. People are trying to, and by people, the NCAA is trying to expand the tournament, which we'll talk about, but newsflash, shittiest idea ever. Um, the the court storming police are back in full force. They're coming for our throats. And uh, we got to talk about Caitlin Clark because she's fucking goaded. So... Yeah. Let's uh let's get into um Duke first. But before we get into it, um if you guys like the show, like the podcast, make sure to give us a like, give us a subscribe, YouTube, or if you listen, audio, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. So um that being said, Kyle Filipowski sprains his ankle. The game was at Wake Forest, um, and he sprained his ankle during the court storming. Um he is uh, Quoted as saying it was definitely intentional and malicious um, by by Wake Forest students, which is just not true at all. Like, unbelievably not true. Um, what are your thoughts on the court storming? Because before it was always like, well, what if somebody gets hurt? Now it kind of looks like somebody did get hurt. So Listen, Cody, I am not buying any of this, if I'm being honest. I think Filipowski not only flopped, and isn't hurt in the slightest, but also kind of leaned into it, almost extended his arms when it's clear on video replay that the Wake Forest students were trying to avoid him. He is almost like trying to shove. And then if he did twist his ankle, it must be the slightest like amount of like, maybe like a wince, you know, like getting pecked. Um, So it, 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 do I believe he's in pain today? Not at all. I do not buy it. Um, they what? carried him off of the court like Paul George when he shit his pants in the NBA Finals. Like that would like you would have thought that he got shot in the leg. Like it. You, yeah, they, you would have thought like he, Kevin Ware. Like, yeah, his fucking bone is sticking out of his shin. You're like, oh no, this poor guy. Nothing. It's it is, and it, and this is my point is that this is Duke that's doing this. That doesn't surprise me at all. The biggest advocate of you know banning court storming who i think is one of the lamest people in college basketball is freaking jay billis and he's a duke grad who is always yeah. going on college game day saying you know what fans don't belong in the court they don't belong in the court and everyone boos and you know blah 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 and so i'm not surprised that john shire and all these Duke people are like when are we going to ban it filipowski like i i honestly wouldn't be surprised if in a meeting they said like if we lose this game take your time getting off the court just so we can push an agenda because I think that Duke as a team, they never storm the court because again, they are the cream of the crop basketball yep. wise. I get, I'm not judging them for never storming the court. I honestly respect that, but that it always happens on them. It always happens on them. Yeah. And I think they're probably tired of it. Do they have the right to be tired of it? Yes. But do I think that this is just like, they're ecstatic to have the chance of saying like, aha, see, see, like, Bad things can happen. Let's freaking put an end to this. So I'm not buying it. I'm going full conspiracy mode and thinking this is all set up. And I don't do that often. I, I, I do not fall into the conspiracy trap, but I'm doing it today. I love that you have your tinfoil hat on. Because I'm going to be honest, I, I agree. I agree. It's such a stupid proponent. And everybody's like, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. You got to think about athletes and player safety and blah, 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 blah. I get it. Right. And then there one, there is time and place for storming a court, rushing a field, whatever. And there's a right way to do it. Right. 
should they have, you know, let Duke get off the court a little bit more? Yeah, maybe. But at the end of the day, there are in a world where we are trying to make college sports as professional as possible, right? Like guys are getting paid now. We have NIL. People want to negotiate shit. Like they're talking about trying to get a players association for college football and college basketball. And we, we have all this conference realignment and we're foregoing traditions in order to make more money and maximize profits. In an era with all of that, why would we eliminate one of the few things that makes college sports college sports because you know what you yeah. never see at the professional level you will never see a stor- court storming you will never yeah. see a field rushing and it's because it doesn't mean as much to the fans and to the players and to everybody involved the the passion of college sports is what makes college sports so great. I will die on that hill. The fact that people will pack out a stadium in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, or in Wake Forest, or in Clemson, or anywhere in this country that we get packed basketball. South Florida had a sellout crowd today against SMU. Their second sellout crowd in the 2000s. In the yeah. 2000s. It's 2024. Like, taking away great moments in college sports does college sports no benefit whatsoever and i understand that the few people who have nothing to gain from this want it want it gone like i get that yeah but like i get why duke would say i don't like it because they don't get to do it yeah but this means everything for the schools that get to do it once in a lifetime and that's that's awesome like i i've been a part of one court storm and it was uh, Clemson Duke right after Clemson lost to LSU in the national mm-hmm. championship game. You know, it was, I think in between the Ravens losing to the Titans oh. when they <laughs> in, were 14 to in between the worst week of, of your life. It was, but I was expecting Clemson to lose to Joe Burrow and them. Like I was just, yeah. you know, I, in my head, I was like, there's no way we, we win this game. So I was just like, I need to go to this Clemson Duke game. And they won, you know, all Dawes crazy at the end buzzer beater that was an electric moment like i wouldn't trade that memory for the world and i've been to other games where i really really want that court storm but it just doesn't happen because we lose so to schools like clemson who of course is good this year but for the most part clemson not a basketball school and for the students at schools like that like you said south florida you can name there are 360 d1 schools right like you can name so many that have really just never had the chance um, to, to have that staple win where you storm the court. And, and Wake Forest is the perfect example because their little brother to Duke year after year in the state of North Carolina, their little brother to North Carolina as well. Like they just don't have as much funding. It's, it's for them, especially this season, given the context, it's a must win game. Um, Duke is ranked top 10. That is a hundred percent like a court storming scenario that, we probably won't see, you know, for a while. Like this was a very specific scenario where it makes sense to storm a court and it happened. And, and, and of course now people are saying ban it, but like, no, I don't think you should ban it at all because it's too special. Um, the thing that I will say, and I'll, I, I'm wondering what your thoughts are, but it was floated out. Like what if there was a 30 second timer and then you got to storm the court, which my gut says is like stupid. How would it work? But I think you could play around with it and have like the counter, um, you know, countdown on the big screen and have 
you know, people on the court kind of like hyping up the fans and everyone's cheering like 10, 9, 8. And right when it hits one, like the, the you know, gunpowder goes off and everyone storms the court and the lights go out and it's electric. I can see that being really cool. But what are your thoughts on that? I think you could do it, right? Like at, at the end of the day, there just has to be a way to figure this out because there are some like whether it's NCAA, like college football um, stadiums that like aren't great for storming the court. And then there are some that like make it easy. And there are some college basketball arenas that make it easy to storm the court. Some that are, that make it difficult. It just, it is what it is. Like I went, went to the uh, Butler game at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Hinkle Fieldhouse would be very, very difficult to storm the court, just kind of based on how it's set up. Um, the student sections are on like opposite ends of the court, but they're at the ends of the court, not on like any side. It makes it a little difficult. Um, there's also a section that's like in the upper level that the students are in. So like, obviously you can't rush the court from there. Um, Auburn has the hedges, right? Like you can't, Jordan Hare is a very difficult stadium yeah, to rush the field in. They did it against Alabama in 2013. They did it against Alabama. But again, like it is a little delayed. Um, I think, right. I think it's, football is generally going to be delayed. That's the problem yeah. with basketball is that like, and, and you know, Butler, maybe not, but like Wake Forest, and a couple other examples where they are sprinting out immediately yeah. when it hits zero. And it's, it's basically the court is filled within yeah. 2.5 seconds. Some other places, it might take a little longer. But in football, like Clemson, it, you meet at the paw on the field every game. Yeah. Right? Like that's tradition. So you're always rushing the field. But people take their time. Like, it, you know, it, there's the no danger. The, that go away. At the end of the day, if you're, if you're the team, if you're Wake Forest – and you have a top 10 team coming into town for a home game, just hire a couple more security guys for the weekend. It's not, it's not that hard. Like it's not, we can, we can do this. You know what I mean? Like we can, we can make this work and well, so like, this is a make thing. it very Remember simple. When... Like for the students, you see who runs out on the, on the court first, be like, Hey, if you guys are out on the court within the first 10 seconds, we're going to pull your tickets. Make it, make it real easy. Right. Hey, you won't get any tickets to any game for the rest of the year if you're on the court within X amount of seconds after the, the buzzer goes off. I guarantee you that would hold it up a little bit, cost no money to, to these teams. Just keep it keep it simple. Two weeks ago, Kansas State beat Kansas in overtime. Remember that game? It was yep. I think a, yep. a Monday night game. And um I remember being shocked because Kansas State didn't rush the court. And I was just like, wait, what? Like I was I think I was watching uh, with people that, you know, didn't know college hoops. So I was like, oh, watch this. They're going to storm the court. It's going to be electric. And they didn't. And I was like, what the hell? And it came out that the athletic director and all the Kansas State, like, officials were like, don't rush the court. We're classier than that. We're trying to build a classy program. Um, you know, and so then Jerome Tang and some of the players went into the stands and had their electric moment. I still like the idea of storming the court, but that kind of proves how easy it is to just kind of say, yeah, hey, you know, don't do it. We don't want you to do it. Or in Wake Forest's situation, just be like, hey, don't go like immediately. Just like yeah. hesitate a little bit or like keep in mind that let them get off the field. It shouldn't be that hard. I don't think Wake Forest did any of that. So all the students were just like, oh, my God, we're just going to sprint out there and bulldoze everyone. Um, so I, I, I do blame Wake Forest a little bit for that. But yeah. the repercussions yeah. are yet to be seen, I'm afraid. You know, it might be the ACC that takes the hardest repercussion, uh, which would be, would be kind of lame. But 
regardless, we'll we'll talk about it later. I I assume. Let's move yep. on. Um. So next thing, Charlie Baker brought up in an interview. I I'm not 100 percent sure like where it was said, but he essentially floated around the idea of expanding the NCAA tournament to 96 teams. This is the greediest fucking thing I have ever I have ever heard. It is taking the product that they have, making it completely inferior to what it currently is in order to get one more weekend's worth of TV rights. It's sad. It's pathetic. It, it, this is the biggest. The NCAA has no power anymore, so we're going to try to like do something to make sure that people know we're in charge. This is terrible. And I said Jay Williams was like a proponent for it. I thought that was insane. Jay Billis was against it, which I don't know. If which is good. Which is good. Um, yeah, I'm but, happy with Jay for that, yeah. Dude, what are we doing here? Expanding the tournament to 96 teams is so dumb. I saw GFED no. put out on Twitter that it would be a decent idea if they did this and only allowed mid-majors in into those extra whatever spots. Which, sure, know. but you're just going to watch a lot of shitty basketball. Like, I don't want to see it. I'm a, like, no. 60, 68, honestly, fine. I would prefer 64, but I get, like, you get the opportunity for people to say, hey, we won an NCAA tournament game if you're, like, one of those 16 seeds that, like, plays each other. Um, but, like, no. We do not need well, an NCAA I tournament think expansion. I think it's bullshit that the 16 teams – or seeds have to play each other in the first round at all. I think it should all be, um, you know, at large. At large. Like if you win your conference tournament in general, it feels a bit fucked up to force them to, you know, go play in a meaningless game that no one's watching and you have no chance of making history, blah, blah, blah. But so I, I made a video about this, I think two weeks ago. I don't know if you saw it. It's on my TikTok, but I basically was reading into it. It looks like the big 12 is behind this the most. Um, and you have coaches in the Big 12, athletic direct, directors in the Big 12 that are honestly, they're, some of them, like Scott Drew, was pitching 128-team tournament. And I was like, oh, my God, this would be asinine. You cannot do that under any circumstances. But it almost seems inevitable. So I made this video as in to, like, get people to rally around the best-case scenario in, in an expansion situation, which to me would be 80 teams. And if you hear me out here – if we went from 68 to 80, all that would do is make like a larger sort of play in situation that wouldn't even have to be a part of the bracket. It would, it would kind of just be like a play in tournament of sorts, but it would be, you expand the eight seed line, the nine seed line, 10 seed line, probably the 12 seed line um, and have at large teams just play each other. And the winner of that game gets to then make the tournament because in reality, if you are on that eight line or worse, it's not like you've done that much to lock yourself in. It would be annoying mm-hmm. if you had to play one extra game. But in that sense, we would still have the first round 64 teams starting that Thursday and just bonus March Madness craziness without expanding the team to like Maryland, who if you saw that graphic of like if there was a 96 team tournament yeah. this is the last four in and it was like vcu like teams that should not yeah. be considered no, right not at all. if you expand it to 80 that gets a hell of a lot better because then you just take you know the first four out the next four out and maybe four other teams that could be mid majors you add them to the fold 
um, and let them kind of all fight against the bubble teams. And whoever makes it out makes it out, whereas it incentivizes even further playing well in the regular season because if you're on that seven to eight seed line, that's drama. And then if you're on mm-hmm. that like 12 seed line-ish, that's drama. You know, teams like Oklahoma, Florida Atlantic losing today, that would have been devastating because they'd probably be off of the just full at large. They'd have to play in that play in game. Um, And I I think that could work because it wouldn't ruin what we have. It would honestly just add things that I would see as a benefit. Um, You wouldn't even have to include it in the bracket, really. Like you could just watch it and then the bracket starts that Thursday, the same as it's been. 96 is just too many. 80. To me, if they're going to expand, it has to be eighty. That's my pitch, really. That's fair. I don't. I don't hate that. I still would prefer to keep it at sixty-eight. But yeah, obviously, we'll it just see. feels inevitable, right? Like the yeah. way if you're reading into it, it's like, oh god. But I don't want it to be like that. First weekend is the round of, you know, ninety-six or whatever. Um, one seed versus twenty-four seed, like just nonsense like that i'm just not as interested at all and think about how brutal that would be to like the idea that you could make like a perfect bracket or have just like a a go perfect in the first round the first day just go on like that streak that's all out the window like it's just your all these guys brackets are going to be busted immediately it seems yeah and you're I, i truly think it doesn't add like the glory and, and the mystic of the, the NCAA tournament is that anything can happen and that you can have these crazy upsets. And I think the more teams that you add like that, like the less those upsets happen. Like, yeah. now, now I teams mean, have to be or, multiple. T- like, you're never going to see like, a 24 it, over yeah, a one yeah. or a 23 over a two. Like, I understand, like, Princeton winning the Ivy League and then beating Arizona last year is an incredible story. The, like what the third best team like you're gonna have cornell play arizona no no i don't need to see it i i mean i agree it also just diminishes the regular season to an extent because yes teams like power um, power conference basketball would not matter it, it would matter even, for mid-majors even, but like power would you would have i'm gonna say what the, how many teams are in the big 12 is it 14 it's 14 right, right now right now i i, I think 12 of them 12 would make would it. In. Yeah. yeah. Right. What the fuck does the regular season? The that's the one okay. thing about college basketball that makes it unique from the NBA is that the regular season games actually fucking matter. You know what you would have yeah. happen if that was the case? Guys would sit. Guys would fucking rest. Why yeah, would they right. play? Why play? If you were a lock to make the tournament and it, like you're getting your oh, four yeah. games into conference play, who cares? That's so, it's so dumb. It's so I hate it. No, God we would have it. we would have load management because yeah. losing at home to freaking UCF. If you're a team like Kansas, you're like, eh, doesn't really bother me at all. Like, yeah, you know, that's we, we just lost to a tournament team. Like, that's not gonna yeah kill our. Or you have like a, then, like the Arizona had that tough travel weekend where they went Utah, Colorado back to back, right? High elevation, like it's a tough travel weekend. They, it's yeah, they would have sat for that back half game, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Like, oh, a loss to a tournament team, like, on the road, who can, like, doesn't affect And then it's like, what does that do to the net? Because it's like, oh, okay, if their efficiency went down, then we have to judge teams, not just like, oh, well, they're lo- they, they're missing an injured player. They just benched, like, three the, guys. So yeah. we watched their efficiency go down because they were playing bench warmers. Um, 
And so what, like, how do you adjust the net to that? Like, how does anything make sense if we start seeing load management? I didn't consider that, but that's, that'd be devastating. The whole idea is tragic. And I remember when it was floated around last year and there was outrage, like nobody who likes college basketball wants it. So we just have to. Yeah. It's the only people who want it are the people who fucking make money off of the sport. Those are the only people who want it. The big but again, seems like they're like, oh, who makes money off of the sport? Good. They they make yeah, money off like of the, the you SEC, know what I mean? The SEC and the Big Ten in football are like, well, you know, we would love to have the playoff expand because we can get more of our teams in and then get more yeah. money for the conference, blah, 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 blah. Um, it, it, it just, in turn, I don't even know how it would help mid-majors that much because you're just funneling more money to the... Correct. Again, it would not, that's the thing. It wouldn't help mid-majors at all. They would just put high major teams in that like have, you know what I mean? They or would put in bad high major teams. Major teams. Like I love the idea. If you expand it to 80, let's take Grand Canyon, for example, mm-hmm. they just had a tough week. They lost to Tarleton state and Abilene Christian. Yep. So their at large berth is shot. They have to win the whack to make the tournament. They are a great team who I would love to see in the tournament. Um, but the, influence the power of those games that they just played this week would be out of the question in the sense that they could have rested their guys for Tarleton state because they're like, we can afford a loss because if you expanded it to 96 teams, they're still absolutely in for, for sure. They could lose out and almost be in, in that sense. I think Um, that, that, and that's closer to the exception than the rule. I think the rule would be, it would, those spots would go to teams that are on the bubble, like Texas A&M and, uh, like Seton Hall and the Villanova. And not, and we'll, we'll, go, we'll go through and, Bubble Watch yeah. later, but I really do not want Texas A&M in my yeah. tournament. Yeah. Um, so right. keep it moving. Whatever. We'll um, yeah. Um, cra- uh, crazy weekend in college basketball. Oklahoma, Ohio State won on buzzer beaters. Houston almost won on a buzzer beater, but it was a half a second too late. They ended up winning in overtime. Uh, UConn and Purdue both lost. So, my, my question for you, is Houston the best team in the country right now? Would you put them at number one? Uh, it's tough um, because the AP poll is obviously kind of just like a recency bias thing. You move teams yep. up. They're not looking at metrics as deep as a bracketologist would. So I think that Houston has a very strong uh, case to be number one in the AP poll. And if the tournament started today, I would probably pick Houston to win it all because they enthrall me how they play basketball. And I think Jamal Shedd's one of the best players in the country, if not the best. Um, and I was saying this last episode, I just love them. Um, but do I, like, should they get the number one overall seed in the tournament? No, that's a different question. Um, Purdue has an insane resume, one of the best I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I think it would take a lot for Purdue to drop off that number one overall seed line. But, for the AP poll and just to answer your question, I would say, yes, I think Houston is, is the most dangerous team and should probably be number one in the AP poll. Fair, fair. Um, last point of discussion before we get into the bubble watch segment, um, Caitlin Clark needs 51 points to break the pistol Pete's all-time scoring record for college basketball. They play at Minnesota on Wednesday, and then they play home against number two, Ohio state, for their last game of the regular season. Do you think she breaks it? Do you think she gets 51 against Minnesota? Do you think she breaks it against Ohio State? How electric. She's breaking it against Ohio State. 
how electric is that game going to be at home? Yeah, the tickets for that game would have to be thousands of dollars. I honestly think that the ratings for that game will beat out a lot of the men's ratings from this year. Um, oh yeah, you know, like that's going to be up there in like the top ten of the year. It's on a, it's, it's on a Sunday too, which is nice because there's not like a huge giant. Like there won't be a giant college basketball slate on Sunday. Like right, that'll no, be. I'll, I'll be tuned in for oh to see her break the record. I want to watch that 100 yeah. percent because this is Pistol Pete Maravich, which is obviously you know men's and women's, but I didn't really think that anyone had a shot of beating that record, and then what Antoine Davis almost did it last year and came up two, three points short, which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, so that record's going to last forever. And and Caitlin Clark could come back to Iowa next year and then make the most unbreakable record of all time. Um, yeah. But just the overall idea, let's say she puts up like 24 against Minnesota. She could go out for like a 30 bomb um, in the fourth quarter, you know, deep three in a, in a huge game. It's probably going to be close to then break the record. That would be scenes at home. That would be scenes. Yeah. I, like it's must-watch television. It's appointment yep. TV. Extremely excited for that. And again, she's a legend. You got to watch the legends while they're around. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. All right, let's get into bubble watch. So, um, Nick, if you want to run the segment a little bit, because because yep. there's a lot here. There's a lot here. There is. Um, oh, yeah. So what? how do you want to run uh, the bubble watch? So I have 16 teams here, Cody, and eight of them can make it and eight of them can't, right? There are eight spots yeah. available in the situation. Two would be 10 seeds and six would be on that 11 line. Uh, and then eight just wouldn't make it. I didn't think it was important to extend that down. We're late enough yeah. in the season where it feels like if you're in this range of 16, this is kind of really, if you're not in this range, you're out to me yep. at this point in the season. Um, and so what I have here, I didn't want to make it super net biased. So I did not include the net. Obviously, you can have the net up. I have the mm-hmm. net up right here. Um, but in general, I think it's important to say, what's your quad one record? Um, you know, your quad two record. And then how many bad losses do you have? How many awful losses do you have? which would be a quad four loss. What are your resume metrics combined? So the average of your um, key performance indicator, your strength of record. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, what's your ability metric combined? Your, you know, your quality metrics, uh, your efficiency metrics, that's your Ken Palm, your BPI, um, you know, a couple other things thrown in there. Uh, just using that, you can use eye tests as well. We're trying to keep this unbiased, like we're a committee that hasn't watched any basketball. We're just looking at the numbers. Who are the eight teams in? Who are the eight teams out? I'll lead the segment here, but I do want you to be the person answering. Um, You know, I'll write them down, make a little graphic. We can talk about it. Um, You know, I'll, I'll post it like tomorrow or Tuesday. So, you know, we'll start with Michigan State, who has... They're, they're 17th in the ability metric, their quality of play, their efficiency. They're 17th in the country. So that would be pretty crazy if they didn't make it. But their resume metrics, 37. I would say that's still good enough, but they keep dropping games. They lost at home to Iowa. They lost at home to Ohio State. They're only 3-8 and eight in quad one and 6-3 and three in quad two. 
which is a 9-11 and 11 record in quad one and two. Nine wins is good, but a 9-11 and 11 record is not that good. Do you have them in or do you have them out? I have them in. Um, obviously, you don't want to take bias into consideration, but Michigan State has been in the tournament. I'm pretty sure almost every single year under Tom Izzo, and Tom Izzo started coaching in 95-96. That's 28 yep. years. Absolutely absurd. Um, but that being said, this Michigan State team does have a lot of talent. Obviously, they've dropped some games, but they've dropped a lot of close quad one games too. Like, And they do have some good wins. They have a win against Baylor. Um, I, I think they absolutely belong. Uh, I would yeah. I would be hard-pressed to see, unless they lost out, I would be very, very um, opposed to them missing the tournament. So for me, they're in. Yep, and I think I agree. It's, it is it is crazy because people look back at their non-conference and say, you know, they didn't have a very good non-conference because they lost that first game to JMU. They were preseason mm-hmm. ranked four. They dropped out of the top 25 pretty quick. Um, things weren't looking very good. But in that stretch, they still beat, like, Baylor, like you said, by I think a good margin. They beat Indiana yeah. State by, like, 20 points. Um, they, yeah. Like, they picked up some good wins. They played a hard strength of schedule, hard out of conference and in conference schedule for the most part. Um, so that 11 loss mark isn't ideal, but zero bad losses and enough big wins. You know, you could throw in that Illinois win um, yep. to like that Baylor win. They have enough uh, when you pair it with their ability and their resume metrics for them to be in. They could honestly, they'd probably be above a 10 seed right now, but I, I wanted to throw them in because they did lose at home today to Ohio State. So I thought we should throw them in just because I saw a tweet, I think, from Jeff Goodman saying how great would this scenario be if the first four, the 11 seeds in the first four were Gonzaga, Michigan State, UVA and St. John's, because then you have uh, Mark Few, Tom Izzo, Tony Bennett and Rick Pitino going at it in the first four. Be electric. That would be that would be crazy. I mean, any game in the tournament, even the play ins, in my opinion, are appointment television. But like that is, oh, yeah, that is dedicated that would just appointment be, TV. Like, yeah, <laughs> you could start marketing that early. And oh, be like, whoa, the, like the college basketball reporters would, would have it, they they would cream their that. pants, dude. It'd be insane. So, I wanted to throw Michigan State in here, but they are my first team there, uh, for yeah. a reason. So, I have them in, you have them in. Uh, yeah. Wake Forest would be next. Wake Forest, huge win against Duke, must huge it was a must win game because. They're uh, one and four in quad one. Yeah. That's and the obvi- first quad one win. Obviously, like, recency bias does, you know, play a factor into this. But we've talked about Wake Forest several times this year, about them being a really solid team. This is a team that can play um, in terms of the – because we're doing eight make it in and eight sitting it out. Um, I think they're probably in the last four in. Um, okay. They, they, obviously, they don't have a ton of quad one wins. And a six and nine record in quad one and two isn't outstanding, but this is a team that has rung together a good enough resume that I think they warrant um, a, a spot in the tournament. Yep. And, and, you know, they're 38th in their resume metric and 21 in their ability metric. So it's similar to Michigan state, mm-hmm. you know, six and nine, nine and 11. It, it, it's close enough right there. They both have zero bad losses. The thing is like Wake Forest, is 15 and 0 at home and you know is barely able to win on the road slash you know on a neutral court they're at a conference wasn't great michigan states was a lot better mm-hmm. wake forest non-con strength of schedule is pretty bad so i do think wake forest is in but 
they are definitely behind Michigan State if you look at it all together. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, so far, two for two, we both agree. Yeah, but that just shows you how important that win against Duke was. Yeah. Uh, we'll yeah. move to Colorado, who, after they lost to Arizona again and kind of, like, just had that bad stretch where I, I yeah. kind of took them out of consideration. I was like, Colorado's just not – they're not going to have a chance. But they kind of destroyed Utah. Um, yeah. You know, another bubble team. Huge game. Colorado's – they're one and five in quad one. It's not great. Seven and four in quad two. So they're eight and nine in quad one and two. Another team with zero bad losses. And they have a good roster. It's similar to Wake Forest and Michigan State where you're looking at the team and you're saying that should be a tournament team. When you have Eddie Lampkin, that big, you know, fat boy over at TCU from a couple of years ago. You have Cody Williams, who could be number one in the draft. KJ Simpson, Tristan De Silva. Yep. Like they have NBA talent, a great roster. It'd be fun to see them in. But are they good enough? What would you say? I'm going to say yes. Um, we talked about okay. the, the reason that we put Colorado and Utah in our you know, pick them this last week was because of how important it was going to be in order to see who was going to be on the on the right side of the bubble. And Colorado emphatically proved that, emphatically proved that. That was a, what, close to a 20-point win um, against yep. Utah. And I understand it was at home, but that's still, that's a, that's a game you had to have. And you won 65 to 89. I mean, that that's a 24-point win. Um, you needed to have it. Now, they have four games left against four bad teams, Cal, Stanford, um, Oregon, and Oregon State. They can't drop any of those four. But I think as of right now, I have them on the right side of the bubble. I have them in. Which is, okay. So for me, I would have that. Um, I would have them just outside right now. Yeah. I think I'd have them in my first four out. 49 on the resume metric, 41 on the ability metric. It's tough, um, but that one quad one win just tells me in a, in a kind of a weakish Pac-12 that, like, they haven't done quite enough to impress me, but it's the fact that they now could win out and easily be in because of that Utah win. That's very important yep. because they do have a very win-outable schedule. So, you know, we'll be talking about Colorado a lot in the next two, three weeks. Yep. Next up is Seton Hall. Seton Hall has five quad one wins and a 500 record in quad one, three and two against quad two teams. So they have a eight and seven over 500 record against the best teams in college basketball. They do have two bad losses, but no quad four losses. Their resume metric is at 43. So better than a team like Colorado, but their ability metric, their efficiency metric is low. It's 61. The predictive mm -hmm. data does not love Seton Hall. Where do you have Seton Hall? Because they have been winning some important games against St. John's Butler uh, you know, of late, where do you have them? Yeah, this is tough, especially when you look at Seton Hall's schedule the rest of the way out. Um, they still play some of the big dogs in the Big East. That um, they play Creighton at Creighton and UConn at UConn. Their next two games. This is this is going to be a crazy, crazy week for Seton Hall. They would have to split two of the toughest games they'll play all year back to back on the road. I don't think they do that. Um, the, their efficiency metrics, like you said, aren't great. In the net, they are below teams. They're below Xavier in the net, which is kind of wild to believe, um, considering Xavier is 13 and 13 and Seton Hall is 18 and 9. Um, they're below teams like Providence. They're below McNeese. I, I just don't. McNeese is a good, it's a good squad, but yeah. yeah. 
Will Wade. Will Wade. What what a guy. Um, yeah. I'm out. I personally am out on Seton Hall. Okay, so that's that's our first flip because I would have Seton Hall in over Colorado because you look at five quad one wins versus one quad one win, and mm-hmm. a better resume metric. I value being able to beat teams like UConn. Like it, Seton Hall beating UConn by 15. If Colorado could do something like that, they would have beat Arizona, but they didn't come close to beating Arizona. So to me, I just feel like Seton Hall would have more to offer in the tournament. Um, How much stock will you take into that? How much stock will you take into that if UConn beats Seton Hall by 15 on Sunday? If they beat Seton Hall by 15 at home, then, you know, I still think that that's impressive as hell to beat UConn. But if, if Seton Hall loses by like 30, then we can start talking. Like if Seton Hall would have to get blown out for me to sort of be like, okay, maybe it's canceled out a little bit. Um, but again, it's tough. I mean, I think that that's a type of discussion um, mm-hmm. that the committee's having right now. We'll move on to Nevada, who has an above 500 record in quad one. They have five quad one wins, four quad one losses. They're only one and one in quad two, so they haven't played that hard of a strength of schedule. A lot of those quad one wins have come in Mountain West play because the Mountain West is having a banner year. Um, they have a bad loss in the non-con. Their resume metric is 39. Their ability metric is 49. To me, it feels like a true bubble team that maybe would be in for now. But what would you say? I'm going to keep this short and sweet. The more Mountain West teams that are in my bracket, the happier I'm going to be this year because that brand of basketball has been so fun to watch. Put Nevada in the tournament. They they, they have yep. been a good, fun team to watch. Their resume backs it up. Like they, They've won some pretty tough road games in the Mountain West. I like Nevada. Yeah. Um, again, and it, it feels like no one's winning road games in the Mountain West, but yeah, they have been impressive enough, in my opinion, even though I don't love them from the eye test wise. I, I'm not a huge fan. I do think they've done enough, so I have them in as well. Um, this next one is, is divisive and, you know, controversial, but it's Gonzaga, who I think has benefited from a lot of bubble teams losing and them playing in the WCC because they're just inching closer and closer to probably now being in because they're playing easier competition and not dropping any games. Gonzaga's one and five in quad one, which is again, we're going on a stretch here of these teams that just do not have enough quad one wins two and one in quad two. So it's a three and six record against the best teams. They don't have any bad losses, but their resume is ranked at the 55th best. Uh, Their ability metric though, which kind of is going to match the net here um, is 20. So they, you know, as far as efficiency goes and when they were playing at their best, um, they're like a top five seed in the tournament. But have they done enough to get in is the question. That's it. And it's crazy. If they don't win that game at Kentucky, we're not even having this conversation. Like they're, oh, they're yeah. not even they're not even being discussed. Um, Gonzaga's tough because they play St. Mary's this weekend. And that really is we can, like we can create. A, a come back to it section if you need. If you need. Uh, so uh, based on who I have in and who I have out, I'm going to put Gonzaga in. I don't like it. Okay. I don't like it, but I'm going to put him in. And I, I like, I wouldn't be surprised if they got in and then just lost badly. <laughs> so. Yeah. And this is my thing with Gonzaga is I think when you look at that ability metric, 
Um, and, and just the fact that it's Mark View and it's a big brand, not that I love the existence of it, but uh, of this, but I do think that there's a little benefit of the doubt that's going to be tossed Gonzaga's way in the sense that they have been scheduling pretty hard games at a conference on purpose to try to boost their net because they know they play in a weak conference. This year, it didn't necessarily work for them. But the fact that they, you know, are trying um, and have tried in the past, like I, I do think that if their ability metric is, is that high, the committee can look and say like, okay, they just haven't had that many opportunities. If they had as mm-hmm. many opportunities as a Big 12 team, maybe they'd have more quad run wins, um, blah, blah, blah. So I do think Gonzaga would get the benefit of the doubt and get in. Uh, so we agree on that one. We'll move on to Providence, who has five quad one wins as well. They're five and six in quad one, three and three in quad two. So eight and nine in quad one and two without any bad losses. Um, you know, similar to some resumes we've gone over already with a 46 resume ranking and a 48 ability ranking. You got to keep in mind, they don't have Bryce Hopkins. Is the committee going to look at that like they look at the Florida State football team? Are they going to say, you know, Bryce Hopkins is their Jordan Travis and we, you know, they just, they don't have it. We, we don't know how much that's going to be weighted. What, what do you think about Providence? So I don't, I don't love Providence without Bryce Hopkins. I'm going to be very honest, but the question is not how much I love Providence. It's how much do I love them with respect to the other teams remaining on this list? Um, and uh, looking at who's here, where they're at, um, what I think of their roster and some of the losses that they've had Providence while, you know, they won't have a winning record in quad one and two, they haven't had any bad losses. They haven't embarrassed themselves. They play a really tough schedule in the big East. I I hate to say it. I'm going to put them in and that's, that's going to make the dominoes fall for how the rest of these bubble teams go. So give give me Providence um, dancing in the tournament. All right. I agree again. I think I really like waiting, um, you know, having five quad one wins. You're, like that's more than a lot of teams that are in, right? Like that is yep. impressive. I weight that personally more than I think the committee might because, um, you know, it shows that you can perform against the best of the best. I think that matters a lot. Um, so I would have them in as well. Now we move to a team that just had probably the worst loss of the season. Um, like a, an That's absolutely ugly. brutal, devastating loss. And uh, it's not UNC Wilmington. Let's it's not UNC Wilmington. Let's no, it's uh, worse than that. It's worse. You than that. think hundred percent. Oh yeah. By far, by far at home to air force. Fair. It's New Mexico, by the way, but at home Fair. to air force is worse than at home to UNC Wilmington. It, in, in my opinion, by a good chunk. Um, I think Northwestern Chico state's the only argument, but, yeah, New Mexico, fair. who was almost a tournament lock, uh, is now definitely on the bubble. They're four and three in quad one, which is good. One and two in quad two. So they have a five and five record against the best teams. They have a bad loss and then an awful loss. Uh, that awful yeah. loss, I think, sticks out a lot. Not a lot of teams have a quad four loss. New Mexico now does. Um, you know, was their non-conference good enough? Probably not. Their resume ability or the resume ranking is 42. Their ability ranking is 44. What are your thoughts? We talk about the pit 
and being one of the best home environments in college basketball. It's one of the highest elevation stadiums in college basketball, an insane environment. And yet they lost to Air Force at home. They lost to UNLV at home. They lost to Boise State at home. Like you can't keep stringing together these home losses and expecting to, to make the tournament. And as much as it sucks, like they didn't have a strong out of conference schedule and that's now coming back to bite them in the ass. Like they played St. Mary's, they lost by double digits. Like I, I think I'm, I think I'm out on New Mexico as much as I hate to say, I think I'm out on New Mexico. Yep. Okay. So I have New Mexico in still, but okay. not by much. Not so that much. means uh, that means we differ on one of these teams coming down here, which I didn't think we would. We do, we do. There, okay. So for you, you you're gonna these next whatever eight teams, you're gonna have to put two of them in. Yep. I have one slot left. Um, we'll we'll get right into it. Okay. St. John's would be next. Huge win against Creighton today. Massive. Like, I, I did you watch that game? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, unfortunately, I had Creighton minus three as my bet of the day. Um, there you go. Fuck. Yep, you're, you're a little cold. Uh, dude, ice cold. Ice cold. We'll talk about it in the picks. Um, that cold. being well, said. Well, you just got to heat up, heat up for March. But yep. yep. We'll talk hey, we got to get hot at the right so, time. We got to get hot on the right time. Exactly. Um, yeah. Get all the bad beats out of the way now. This St. John's team is a team that before today was one and nine in quad one, which is abysmal. But they pick up a huge win, so they now at least have two quad one wins. And if you're playing 11 quad one games, that's that's tough, right? Like, that's yeah. tough for anyone. It's not a great record. It's not what you want. But 6-2 and two in quad two means that they're 8-10 and 10 in quads one and two, which is comparable to some of these other teams. They have one bad loss. A lot of these teams have a bad loss. This is what sticks out like a sore thumb is that their resume metrics, which is your key performance indicator and, um, you know, your strength of record, mm-hmm. it's 76. So they're underperforming because their ability metric is 38. So they're, they're highly underperforming. I think they have a lot more talent than they've showed. What are your thoughts? Uh, I agree that they have a lot more talent than they've showed. Unfortunately, part of playing basketball is you have to show how talented you are and you have to win some of these games. Um, unfortunately, I think St. John's is on the wrong side of the bubble um, just because they haven't won enough of those quad one games. Two and nine is, is tough, is tough. They needed to win some of those, yeah. and they they just haven't. And I, I'm not. I understand that they have Patino, and I understand that he's a really good coach, but I, I don't think this is his best coaching job by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so I'm out on, uh, I'm out on them so far. The Johnnies, I am out on as well. Okay, um, but I do think they are alive. They showed a lot mm. of promise today. Um, all right, UVA is next. Three and four in quad one, three and three in quad two for a six and seven quad one and two record. One bad loss. Their resume metric is at 36. They have, you know, wins over, uh, I think, Florida, Wake Forest, mm-hmm. Texas A&M, Clemson, um, like enough of those wins. But their ability metric is down to 58 now because they keep, you know, showing that they are historically bad on offense for a team that potentially might make the tournament. Their Ken Palm offensive metric is like 160th. It's tragic. We saw it against UNC at home. We saw it against Virginia Tech at home. It's tough. It's tough. I honestly don't want to see UVA in the tournament. I really don't. 
but I would have them in. What would you say? A lot of people think that Virginia has had bad offenses over the last couple of years. Like the, the offense that they had when they won the national title with Kyle Guy was not a bad offense. They played slow and deliberate and they didn't score a ton of points, but the offense was good. This is not that team. This is a bad offense. This is a legitimately yeah. bad offense. Um, but Tony Bennett has managed to win some really tough games, some really, really tough games. And like, I, I know that you don't want to place too much um, on the ability metric because at the end of the day, the results do kind of have to matter. And here I think the results do matter. So I have Virginia in um, on the, on the right side of the bubble here. Yeah. And I have them in as well. I, I, I yeah. hate it. Um, and they're very, very close to being out, but there are just too many of these other bubble teams that yep. are playing poorly as well. So yep. that's why we're doing the bubble watch segment because we're looking at all of, all of the data and the data says Virginia would still be in right now. Um, Villanova is next and they're a team that I thought might've been pretty close to being in, if not in, um, before kind of getting smoked by UConn. I think someone took their spot if they had a spot. They're three and eight in quad one, but six and one in quad two for a nine and nine record against the best teams. Um, I think they have three bad losses, which isn't ideal. Their resume is 59th, but their ability is up at 32, which I think is decently important. Um, where do you stand on Villanova? Uh, I, I want to be about, I'm not a believer in Kyle Neptune. Um, not at I, all. I don't think, not at all. I don't think he's the guy. Um, my thoughts on Villanova are Penn, Drexel, and St. Joe's. They lost to Penn, yep. Drexel, and St. Joe's. That's not a tournament team. This is not yep. a tournament team. I'm out on Villanova. Listen, if they if they played consistent enough in uh, in conference play, you could look past those non conference losses and look at some very impressive out of conference wins. Like I think they beat North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have to say, yeah, I'm out on, on them as well. Um, and it would take a decent chunk for them to get in at this point for me. Uh, next up is Texas A&M, a team that I, I really would hate to see in the tournament that for, if you look at quad one and quad two, it looks like maybe they should be in because they're five and six in quad one and three and one in quad two. So they have an eight and seven record against the best teams, um, which is over 500, very important, but they have five bad losses, five losses in quad three. That's tragic. Their resume metric is at 64, and their ability metric is only at 48. Where do you stand on AM? Because some people still have them in the tournament. Some of the, so I like Will Wade, and I like Buzz Williams. I think he's a good coach. That being said, some of these Texas A&M losses were, were not just losses. They were shit pumpings. Like, they got shit pumped by Alabama. That was a 25 point loss. They got shit pumped by Tennessee yesterday. That's a, a 35 point loss. I mean, you, you can't get blown out like that. They lost by double digits to LSU at home. Like they, they, like they played they lost to some, Vanderbilt, Cody. they lost to Vanderbilt. They lost to Memphis at home. Like they, they just don't like, it's insane to me looking at their schedule because they do have some like good wins. Like they beat Iowa state. They beat Iowa state. Iowa state's a top 10 team. 
and they yet, beat Tennessee. Uh, yeah, they but, beat Florida. But, like it, it's 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 crazy. The highs are high, the lows are low, and unfortunately for me, the lows are too low. Texas A and M. See ya. Yep, I am completely in agreement there. Uh, Utah is next, three and seven in quad one, five and three in quad two. It's an eight and ten record against the best teams. They have a bad loss. The resume metric's fifty. Their ability metric is at fifty-seven. We said it last week. I think we can keep this short and sweet. They needed to beat Colorado to be in. They lost that game. I think we would both have them out. Am I right in saying that? They needed to beat Colorado to be in, and they lost. Nail, hit the nail on the head there. Yep. So they're out, which is, again, crazy. You look three weeks ago, you're looking at Utah as like an eight seed, um, just really crumbling down the stretch. Uh, next up is a team that's been playing better lately, and that's Pittsburgh. Who is three and five in quad one? But a lot. The thing with Pittsburgh is their road record is really good, uh, two and two in quad two. So they have they're five and seven against the best teams. They have two bad losses. Their resume metric is not very good. It's at sixty one. Their ability metric is at forty five. It, it, it's you'd have to make a really strong argument if you wanted to say Pittsburgh's in right now. I would have to say no, but I do think they're playing better ball. Where would you have them? So I I do agree that they're playing better ball. Um... But when you look at their their recent wins, like they have a win over Virginia Tech yesterday. Cool. They have a win over Louisville. Cool. Like they beat NC State. They beat Virginia, who, while we have them in, like they beat Notre Dame. Like I just don't – there's nothing about these wins. They have that win against Duke back in January. And like the, the standing on the table, giving the Cameron crazies hell, like that was a – a picturesque moment of college basketball this year. You can throw it in the one shining moment tape, but like, I don't think they're good enough to make the tournament. I, I like Pitt and I think they're building in the right direction as a program, but I I don't think this is the year. Yeah. uh, I don't have them in right now. They play Clemson at Clemson on Tuesday. I will be at that game. um, You know, two days time. Let's go. I will. I will be at that game. Clemson, not a great home team. And Pitt is is uh, very good on the road. So th- especially considering how must win it is for Pitt, it should be a very, very good game. Um, and so, you know, we'll have to talk next week about where we stand on Pitt. But for now, they're out. Uh, two more remaining. Ole Miss being the second to last team here. Three and six in quad one. One and two in quad two. Zero bad losses. Again, beat Detroit Mercy by one. A, a, a not great uh, non-conference schedule four and eight against quad one and two opponents, but it's a team that has a 35th ranked resume metric um, who, and that, that metrics kind of been flying down like for a while. They were very high up there. A lot of teams had them mm-hmm. or a lot of bracketologists had them as a shoe in. So the question is, have they fallen out or are they hanging on by a thread? For me, they've fallen out. But for you, what, what would you say? Because you don't, you have a spot left and two teams left to go. Yep. And I can tell you right now, it's not going to be the next team we discuss. Um, I, I have Ole Miss hanging on by a thread. Um, I, I think the the difference for me, I think you had you had New Mexico in. Or did um, you have St. John's I have New Mexico in? and Seton Hall in, and you have Colorado and Ole Miss in. Yep. So uh, I have Ole Miss in. Um, I, I think they've done just enough. We'll see. They still have a couple games on their schedule where I think they can make a statement, um, uh, particularly Wednesday at home against Alabama. So 
Um, if they show up and show out in that game, I think that is going to be a huge swing for them in the right direction. Um, so right now, I, I do have Ole Miss in. They, they've struggled a little bit lately, but, man, their schedule is pretty damn tough. I mean, the last five games, they played South Carolina twice, Kentucky at Kentucky, Mississippi State at Mississippi State, just a brutal – Auburn the, the game before that, just like a brutal stretch for them. Um, but the I, I still think this is a good team. Yep. So I have Ole Miss in. Um, the, the last team, I don't even – I'm I am shocked that you that you wrote them here, and I understand that they beat Michigan State yesterday, Ohio State does, or today. Ohio State does not belong anywhere near the NCAA tournament. Get them out! No way, dude. Yeah, no way. It's, it's it's fascinating because they were so far away, like two weeks ago, so far away that if you were like, "Can Ohio State make it?" I would have laughed at you, like I, I would have pointed and laughed and spit on your face. But they beat Purdue which is arguably the best win you could possibly have. Then they beat Michigan State on the road and snap a 420-day-long road losing streak. Like, things have turned the corner post-Chris Holtman. Do they have enough time to get in is the question. They've done just enough lately to be in this last 16, uh, especially with other bubble teams losing, you know, left and right. Ohio State is playing better ball. Their resume metric is at 63. Their ability metrics at 55. That fits the mold here. Uh, obviously, a 5-11 and 11 record against quad one and two isn't ideal, but a really hard strength of schedule, only one bad loss. Um, so they're in the discussion, but no, I don't have them in either, and I don't think they're that close. They're, but they're playing better ball, so we'll have to see. They're 13th in the Big Ten. <laughs> there's yeah. there's no, 14 teams that are 13th in the Big Ten. Conference record is not considered um, in the committee's eyes. It's not considered. Obviously, it's it's horrific to be that low and yep. to be discussed as as far as making it, but we'll have to see. There's there's little yep. time left, so they'd have to really impress. But they could start climbing ever so slightly if other teams start losing. Maybe we're talking about Ohio State on Selection Sunday, but as of right now, we both have them out. Um, so that solidifies it for you. You have Michigan State, Wake, Colorado, Nevada, Gonzaga, Providence, Virginia, and Ole Miss in. And out, you have Seton Hall, New Mexico, St. John's, Villanova, A&M, Utah, Pittsburgh, and Ohio State. We differ on yep. Ole Miss and Colorado. I would have Seton Hall and New Mexico in. Um, but for the most part, we're kind of on the same page here. Uh, yep. You know, try to get a graphic out this week on that. Um, but, yeah, we'll move on to the picks. Yeah. Um, tough week. Tough week yeah, for you, your boy. Again, you're cold, Cody. You're just cold. Nothing yep. you can do about it. Started out 0-5 on the picks, about as cold as yeah. you could possibly get. Um, after going 0-5, I went 5-6, and six, so like still not good. Um, but, hey, I, I have nothing to say to salvage this. I'm going to be honest. Terrible week for me. Um, you went 11-5, and five, an absolutely dominant performance. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone that we differed on, you got correct and I got wrong. I mean, it's which is it was just that's fantastic for me. I yeah. I am very happy with the results. I honestly, we both started out not great. Like you were yeah. zero and five, but it's not like I was five and zero. Oh. I was two no, you were three. two and three. Yeah. So to see a nine and two uh, finish on the back half was was massive. I honestly yeah. was watching these games um, and not really tracking it. I had no idea how I did last week. So when I saw this, I was pretty pleasantly surprised. And now I'm eight points clear on the 
um, you know, overall record. I'm 77 and 51. You're 69 and 59. So I'm nice. feeling pretty good. Yeah, yep. nice. Um, I would like to say this. Um, you said last week that there was zero shot that the North Carolina Virginia game was going to go under 135, which is what I said the number should be. Um, the the final total in that game was 98 points. So no, I, I said there's no way they set the line lower. Than oh, oh, what a bullshit! What a bullshit cop out answer. What do you mean? That's, check the tape. Jesus you said the Christ! Be, I, I'm pretty sure you were like the line's going to be like one. 17 and i said there's no way they set the line that low no way of course all right i mean maybe all i was right. like if it was 117 i'll take the over maybe i said that which i was wrong there i don't remember that but i don't think i was saying that like the under 135 was a okay. lock no, so i did no i did say the total was going to be under 135 okay i did that that is what i said because i had the the note was written out from last week. So I know that that's what the total was at. What do you, uh, what do you think the total ended up being before tip off? Uh, I don't know. At like right before the game started. Yep. No idea. In the one twenties, I would say one thirty one and a half. So it was yeah. under one thirty five. You dumb. Fuck you. I swear to God. One thirty five makes sense. It's a, it's a, that's a line that makes sense. I swear you were like, it was lower, but again, um, yeah, it went under by a landslide. They didn't get to 100. That In the first half, that game was on at the same time as Alabama-Kentucky. Which and is... Alabama-Kentucky had 100-plus points in the first half, and UVA-Virginia, or UVA-UNC was at, like, 40. Yeah. It was just two two sides of, of a sword. Um, but, you know, I'll give you your freaking flowers after going 5-11. and 11. Fine. We'll have to check the <laughs> Piss off. Piss off. <laughs> um yeah, crazy that those two those two games are actually the same sport. Um, so let's get into the slate. Tuesday, Kentucky and Mississippi State, uh, big game for the SEC. Um, you're on Mississippi State. Yeah, home team. Home team. I get it. Playing playing some good ball. Um, and again, it, it's a predictive fade the public situation where uh, everyone and their mother is aware of how Kentucky played against Alabama. I don't think that's a sign that Kentucky's going to play like that every game. We saw them play fantastic mm-hmm. against, uh, what, Auburn, and then they went mm-hmm. and lost to LSU, and then they played great against Alabama. Like It's not like this is uh, a consistency thing with Kentucky, and I think going into Mississippi State's really tough. They play a different style of defense. Yeah. than anyone in the SEC. So it's just going to be tough for Kentucky to keep that rhythm going. I could eat my words. Maybe they are red hot still, but I'm going to take Mississippi State at home. I, I will say this. I will bet on Mississippi State against the spread. I absolutely yeah. will be betting on Mississippi State against the spread. because I doubt the, the spread's that high at all. I, Mississippi State could be favored. I don't know if I see that. I think it'll be like a three or four point game. Three or four yeah, point I doubt line. they're favored. They could be. I but, doubt it. Yeah. I, I would lean yeah. towards agreeing with you there. But next um, game. I'll yeah, be- let's talk about the game you're going to. Pitt at Clemson. Um, I- I'm riding with Clemson. You're riding with Clemson. Um, no bias at all. But that should be a, f- a fun-ass game to go to. Um, yeah, if you, if you look at what I'm wearing right now, um, no bias at all for me. But I am going Clemson. Sh- I mean, it should be a fun game. Like I said just, what, five minutes ago, this is must-win for Pitt. Clemson isn't great at home. They've lost four games. Um, in at home in ACC play, 
they're like they have a better road record in ACC play than than they do a home record, and they should have beat Duke on the road. So it's like it's it's tricky. It's hard to tell what's going to happen in this game when you're playing a desperate team like that. Clemson is definitely locked in the tournament. So how high stakes is this game for them? We'll have to see. I think it's going to be really close, but I'm going Clemson. Um, just because why would I want to root for Pitt if I'm at that game? Fair. Absolutely fair. Um, keeping it moving, BYU-Kansas uh, should be a great game at Allen Fieldhouse. Um, BYU last week, they beat Baylor, but then they lost to Kansas State. Um, I'm going to say that BYU keeps this close. I truly think they keep it close, but give me Kansas at home. You know what? I kind of agree with you in this only like it's so hard to bet against Kansas at home. It's just so yeah. hard to do. But if a team's going to like maybe be able to do it, it's a team that Kansas has literally like never played. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. this is a, a team that was in the WCC that moved to the Big 12. Kansas is going to, you know, watch film and, and review it, but like they're not they're not going into this game with the confidence of having played them twice a year every year for 25 years. They're going and saying, wow, this is like the first time we've ever hosted BYU. Um, BYU is an old team, so I don't think they're going to get rattled by Fog Allen. So mm-hmm. for that reason, I do think it could easily be close. But the, the Big 12 refs at Fog Allen, I mean, we could easily like just we could see a close game where Kansas is just handed the win or obviously Kansas could win by a lot as well. But, yeah, it makes sense to go Kansas here. Yep. Um, Nevada at Colorado State should be a good game. Means a lot for the Mountain West. Um, Means a lot for Nevada's bubble seed hopes. Um, That being said, I'm taking Colorado State in this one. Um, Colorado State's been a really good team at home this year. Um, They continue to be probably the second best team in the Mountain West. Yeah. it's, so, yeah. there's no, you can't rank those teams. You just can't rank them in my opinion. They're I, all I, the same. I will say, I think, I think San Diego State's starting to pull away a little bit as the best team in the conference. Utah State's first in the standings though. So Utah State has, not, Utah State has not played a power five team this year. Yeah. Um, but Pro- it's still just in, saying. in conference, in conference, Utah State has played better technically speaking do i think they're the best team no but i don't think it's possible to like point at a team and say that's the team i trust to win the mountain west tournament like you know what i mean it's just fair fair so hard so hard but yeah colorado state could be the second best i don't know nevada could be the second best for all i know it's for me cody it just feels like whoever's at home is the uh is the team i'm gonna pick at this point that's just what i'm doing so colorado state's at home i'm picking Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Wednesday, we get what should be a, a top 15 matchup, Auburn at Tennessee. Um, really, really excited for this game. Um, Bruce Pearl, Rick Barnes, uh, you, you get like Dalton Connect at home. This should be a really, really great game. Um, I'm taking the Vols at home, though. I'm taking Tennessee as well. Um, you know, they looked incredible yesterday, and Auburn, I don't think, has Jalen Williams still. Um, you know, I, I think that's the biggest difference maker right there, so I have to go Tennessee. 
All right, post-technical issues, Auburn, Tennessee. We both have Tennessee. Let's keep it moving. Uh, Providence at Marquette. This should be a, a great game. Nick, you, you and I are different on this one. You're going with the road team. A after the road teams shit on me last week, um, you're going with Providence here. Why is that? Um, it's, it's the uh, desperate team effect. In a sense, I think Marquette is pretty much locked in to where they are in the Big East standings and as a two seed. Uh, they put up 120 points against DePaul. Like, I, I, I just, for me, if I, I, I kind of don't want to go all home teams, right? So I, I had to pick yeah. between yeah. picking Providence, picking Seton Hall, picking Oklahoma, which are, are, those are our next three. And I went with Providence because I think that they, uh, have the best chance defensively at slowing down and putting pressure on Marquette. And if Marquette has a bad shooting day, Devin Carter could go sicko mode. Crazier things can happen. I don't feel good about that pick at all. But I just, you know, I have to throw a road team in there somewhere, right? Like, just can't be lame. So. Yep. Hey, trust your gut. I don't, I don't hate that at well, all. Um, that being said, I'm not, I can't trust my gut anymore because uh, that was disgusting. A disgusting display last week. Um, Oklahoma at Iowa State. I think Oklahoma has been playing some pretty good ball lately. Um, going in, into Iowa State is a tough place to play. I, I think this game is going to be an absolute rock fight. Like I, I think this game is going to come down to last possession. Who doesn't turn the ball over? Like a, a 55, 57 type of game, like low scoring, duking it out. Um, I'm going to take Ohio Iowa State, but this should be yeah, this should be a good one. I don't trust Oklahoma defensively enough, and I trust Iowa State aggressively defensively. Um, mm. Obviously, Oklahoma has the guards to exploit a little bit of what Iowa State does, but I don't know if I think it's like my gut tells me Iowa State by double digits. Um, but I mean, obviously, they're playing great mm. ball. They might have like a, you know, sleepwalk game. It's possible, uh, but I'm going Iowa State. Oklahoma is coming off a buzzer beater win against Oklahoma State. Rivalry, a big bedlam, rivalry matchup. Right, all of that. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Seton Hall at Creighton. This is going to be big for Seton Hall's tournament chances. Um, obviously, like, They've got a couple of tough games left. They play at Seton Hall. They play at UConn. Um, or at, sorry, at Creighton and at UConn. Um, who do you got in this one? Um, I have Creighton in this. Um, you know, maybe this would have been my upset pick if Creighton didn't lose to St. John's, but bad taste in Creighton's mouth. Yeah. Going in, you know, preparing for yeah. Wednesday. They get to play at home. You know, they last time they were at home, they beat UConn. I think they can handle Seton Hall. So I got Creighton. Now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, keeping it moving into not a lot of great games Thursday and Friday. So we're just going to go straight into Saturday. Kansas at Baylor. Um, I, I remembered something, Nick. I remembered something. Um, I bet Baylor money line against Houston. And oh boy. Baylor came out. They came out. And they shit their pants. And you know what? They said, hey, that's okay. We'll clean it up. We'll keep it moving. And they came out in the second half strong. They had a chance to win that game with a free throw. And then they bricked it. 
And then they just got blown out in overtime, even though they only let up one field goal in overtime and they lost by like nine. Insane. Houston went nine for 10 or nine for 11 from the free throw line. And then I, I, I remembered, we remember we had a conversation where I specifically said I was done backing Baylor. Yeah, I'm shocked. And then I backed him again. What am I doing? They were on my no bet list and I abandoned the no bet list and it came back and it bit me in the ass. Fuck Baylor. Go Kansas. Rock chalk, motherfucker. Jayhawks roll. Um, Yeah, I I am definitely shocked. I'm mad at Scott Drew. Baylor in that game again. They shit their pants at the start of the game. Every team does that against Houston because this is their, that was their first time playing this year. If you haven't seen Houston in person, you have no idea how fast, how aggressive, how physical they play defensively. You watch it on film, and you think to yourselves, okay, if they do this, we'll do that, blah, blah, blah. And you get out there, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. I need my mom. And, of course, they're down 27-10 early at home. Of course that was going to happen. Very impressive. Very impressive that Baylor pushed that game and got it to overtime. I Baylor's not on my no-bet list, so I'm going Baylor here at home um, as a little bounce back in, in another – fantastic game in the big 12 fair enough fair enough um keep it moving marquette at creighton um i am taking marquette in this one um i I don't i don't love it i don't love it but i I can't there's something about shaka smart in this team uh, I believe, give me Marquette. I don't really have much more than that, to be honest. See, and I have Marquette as well. Um, you know, so this might be divisive for people in the comments. Oh, but shit. I have, Damn. I have Marquette because... We could look like fools. Because, but uh, Providence, if I have Providence beating Marquette, I don't foresee an 0 for 2 week for Marquette. That's a flawed, logical fallacy for me to approach it that way, but I am approaching it that way. You know, if Providence beats I don't, Marquette, I don't hate I'm going to have to take Marquette to beat Creighton especially if Creighton beats Seton Hall. It just, I'm kind of just matching it all one and one, um, it, it seems, this week. No, a little bit of an if-then statement there. You're basically a coder. Right. Um, <laughs> Florida at South Carolina, a game that I would have had no interest in at the start of the year, and it's going to be a huge game for the SEC. Um, I'm excited for this one. I'm taking Florida. I like what Wright's doing down there, like – Florida on the road. South Carolina has been weird because they haven't been outstanding at home or on the road. It's not like they've been one or the other. Like they've lost a couple home games. They've won a couple road games. So I'm going to take Florida in this one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm taking South Carolina here. I think people are starting to like throw some hate at South Carolina. I still think they're a good basketball team. Mm -hmm. They were overranked by the AP poll. Um, people got upset. They got smoked. They lost LSU. People are like, they're so fraudulent. Oh my God. Look, they're like 60th in the net, blah, blah, blah. Still a good basketball team that can play really well against good teams. Um, you know, Florida, I do love, especially in March, but in this situation, I'm going to go South Carolina because they're at home. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, keeping it moving. We have Mississippi state at Auburn. Um, I'm taking Auburn. I, I like Mississippi State. They play great defense. Auburn's been different in the jungle all year outside of that loss to Kentucky. I, I'm pretty sure they're undefeated at home outside of that loss to Kentucky. Yep. So uh, give me Auburn. Uh, I got Auburn as well uh, pretty handedly in that one. 
Uh, Tennessee, Bama, which I just looked up Tennessee's schedule. Their schedule is brutal to end the year. They're, they're going to get to like the conference tournament and be happy. <laughs> like they're, they're playing Auburn at home. Then they have to go at Alabama, out South Carolina, and then Kentucky at home to end the year. They are playing four ranked quad one teams to, to end the year. Just a, a brutal, brutal record. Um, I think eventually it's going to wear down on them, but I I, well, I want to take Alabama so bad. And for that reason, I'm taking Tennessee. Sometimes you got to fade yourself. You got to know when to fade yourself. I'm fading myself. Yeah. Give me Tennessee. Yeah, we'll see if that gets you back on the hot streak right there. Could be a turning point in your <laughs> life. Um, however, I, I disagree. I'm taking Alabama. I just realized I went with a lot of road teams here. Yeah. Like, um, Kansas on the road, Marquette on the road, Florida on the road. Yeah, it's a bold now, now Tennessee on the road. I, I am Fuck. taking Alabama. Um, you know, the thing is with Tennessee, I, I do think that they are susceptible to playing down to competition, but I also think they play up. Um, but mm-hmm. it's tough on the road against the team that's ranked number one um you know in your conference standings like that is different playing up to that competition like Tennessee against a team like Texas A&M they're going to go out there with confidence and smoke them I was on live you know Friday night I think on TikTok and people were like oh is A&M going to win I was like Tennessee by 35 but Tennessee at Alabama completely different beast uh I think I just have to go Alabama in that one um you know again the over will probably hit in that as well Fair, fair. Um, we get Houston. Um, That's Oklahoma. <clears throat> sorry, Houston at Houston at Oklahoma. Um, I, I've said some bad things about Oklahoma in the past. Um, thought they were a little fraudulent when they were ranked like 15 or whatever. Um, they're still a good team. They're not good enough to beat Houston. So give me the Cougs. Another road team for you. I'm matching you on that one, though. I'm going with Houston. I love Houston right now. They could win out, you know, end up nailing that one overall seed. They're playing fantastic. Yep. Um, Gonzaga at St. Mary's. This is like a 10 o'clock, 1030 tip. Going to be a late game Saturday from noon to midnight. You're going to have incredible college basketball. Yes, sir. Um, so whatever plans you have, cancel them. Bad news. I may or may not be at the combine, so I may miss a lot of this. That's a valid ish. I will try to watch no, as much. That's a valid excuse. Yeah. Still sports. still sports, still sports. Um, that being said, Gonzaga at St. Mary's. I'm taking St. Mary's um, at home. I, I just, I think they've been the best team in the WCC all year long, which I, I hate as somebody who has Gonzaga to win that conference, like minus 125 um, at the start of the year. So fishy brutal, brutal bet on my part. But, um, I think this yep. is my lock of the week. Um Gonzaga's going to win this game. Ooh. Gonzaga's winning this game. Ooh. Yep. They're not getting swept by St. Mary's. It will not happen. They, Mark Few will not let that happen. We can lock that in. Give St. Mary's our first conference loss? Yep. It's happening. Lock of, lock of the week. Lock of the month, honestly. I'm writing it down so that we can remember. Um, I'm not saying it won't be close. Very, very well be close. It is at St. Mary's. And those teams, you know, those student sections go crazy when they play each other. But I, oh, yeah. I cannot picture a world 
where St. Mary sweeps Gonzaga, I can't picture it. Gonzaga is not bad enough for that to happen. They're still a good team. It won't happen. Give me Gonzaga. Fair enough. Um, and then a Sunday matchup, Seton Hall at UConn. Um, we're, we're both on the same boat here. Dan Hurley, UConn. Um, they're going to be pissed off. Revenge game week. against uh, Seton Hall as well. So I got UConn. Yep. yep. Um, all right. So we differ on a good amount, a healthy amount. Not too much, not too little. Should make for a pretty electric week. Yep. Um, that being said, if you want to see all of our picks and stuff, give us a follow on our social medias, Nick during the day and smash hit sports. Um, as always, best way to support the show, like, and subscribe, be a friend, tell a friend, um, share this, you know, with, with a, somebody who needs to, to be updated on some college hoops and, uh, we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Adios.